Today on the 1012 Podcast, BYU softball head coach Gordon Eakin joins us to talk about whether or not the Big 12 screwed them in their conference schedule. Plus, Iowa State and Cycloneer great Leah Nelson and Eric Lopez are here to talk about Team of the Week, Player of the Week, and look ahead to the absolutely incredible softball schedule this weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. And we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. It's Thursday, and that means that we are talking Big 12 softball, a Big 12 softball-loaded show. BYU head coach Gordon Eakin is going to join us here in just a little bit to talk about the season so far for the Cougars, uh, his thoughts on the Big 12, and uh, getting some advice from some other Big 12 coaches on the season thus far. But joining me as they do every week, and I, I can't say this enough. It's an honor and a pleasure, and, and they do a lot. And I can't I can't be more thrilled to have these two people joining me this season. She is Iowa State softball alum and the I'm gonna call you know what? We called Gabby Gregory the mother of Gapco. We're gonna call you the mother of the Cycloneers, Leah Nelson. I could just hear you just hype me up all the time. I love it. I'm excited to talk softball. A lot of rainouts, but a lot of fun things that we can cover this week. So Mother nature is a word that I can't say around my children, so I won't say it here, even though I'm currently in a hotel somewhere in Northwest Arkansas. Also joining us, he is the voice of UCF softball. He makes them sound good, but they don't need help because they are good. He is Eric Lopez. I unfortunately was around Mother Nature a lot this weekend in Clearwater, but uh, I get to get to see Texas, UCF and Oklahoma State among many teams in Clearwater. So it was fun while it lasted. I mean, I, I feel like we have to start there of. This weekend was only disappointing because we didn't get so many of the matchups we'd hoped to see across the state of Florida. That's just the most unusual. And look, Florida gets weather, but I, the whole state was just encompassed by this just mother of all storms that came through. Kansas missed games. Texas missed games. Oklahoma State, UCF. If you were playing softball in Kansas or in Florida this weekend, you 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 missed games which was really disappointing because of not only the effect that it had on games on Saturday that actually were played, but the fact that we had so many rainouts and game cancellations and the fact that, and and I hope this doesn't 
affect the decisions in the future that we had games set for ESPN on Sunday that didn't get played. I hope that doesn't make UCF or it doesn't make ESPN think differently about scheduling games on that network in the future at Clearwater as big as that event is. Yeah, I agree. I think the big, uh, you know, that is, it's unique. You know, it's the first time in the history of that tournament that they got washed out. It was a, the whole state was washed out Sunday. Uh, there was only three or four innings played in basically in, in Boca, five innings. Otherwise, it was everybody was washed out. I think the big takeaway, though, from Clearwater, and I discussed this on the In the Circle podcast, I think there were some teams there that were okay with this tournament ending. They were, there were some disgruntled people there about the ball, feeling a little differently. You could maybe discuss this since you're the one that played of the three of us, but there was a lot of chatter about the ball being a little different than all the other balls in other tournaments, and that may have contributed to some of the numbers we saw offensively in Clearwater. That was certainly a lot of chatter about that. So there was a lot of rumblings about that as well as some of the scheduling. But, you know, nonetheless, we saw an offensive explosion. And certainly I don't know if it matters what ball it is right now. Texas seems to be swinging it pretty well as, as anybody in the country, Leah. But I don't know. You played, Leah. How much of a factor is it if uh, if the ball's maybe a little different in the tournament, like some people were telling me in Clearwater, than other tournaments, that they think that may have contributed to some of the offense we saw yeah. in Clearwater? Yeah, it's funny because it seems like such a little difference, but people pick it up really quickly. And I mean, we saw at Clearwater how how insane the scoring was. I don't know. Some games had like 30 plus runs. Um, but at the end of the day, I just don't even like the little rumblings of that because like you said, Texas is killing it. Georgia's killing it. These teams deserve to hit these home runs and have these high scoring games. So, I mean, hopefully it continues like this because I don't know. It was enjoyable to watch. Clearly you weren't a pitcher. <laughs> no, and that's the other thing. I was like, I was just an outfielder, pinch runner. Ball didn't have a whole lot to do. Just catch it, throw it back in. <laughs> uh, what was it? Um, the the stats for Thursday-Friday games that were played this year, 271 runs in 19 games in Clearwater. The next closest was 2020 with 177. That's almost 100 more runs in the first two game uh, days of action in Clearwater. Amanda Scarborough, uh, guest of last week's show, sharing that on Twitter. It's, it is it is an insane amount. It's hard not to... like. I feel like the ball is obviously going to play a factor if it's different. But you have so much experience coming back uh, from, from a hitting standpoint. You have so many new pitchers. Like, I, it feels like... To put a perfect analogy on the weekend, a perfect storm of situation that led to just this insane offensive outbreak that I, I I have a hard time saying was because of one thing. Validity to the players if they're saying this is the issue we had or this was the issue we had. They're the ones on the field. They're the ones that know. But it does feel like just this culmination of a lot of different things impacting the weekend. On, that Unfortunately, I mean, based off that pace of play, the, the number of ones that could have been scored might have been just in a historically ridiculous well, number. And think about Georgia. They purposely ran themselves out of an inning to get the game in because they knew the weather was going to be bad on Saturday. So they could have scored more than 20 on Florida State. I'm not saying that was the only reason some of the people were saying. Some people were complaining about the strike zone maybe being a little tight uh, on that as Leah's nodding <laughs> her head. Again, I'm just the messenger. It was amazing how many people would stop me and, and well, say hi and then complain about what we're saying and they come up with their theory. So, 
uh it was interesting chatter there it was super packed again uh which is incredible except that facility just right that that tournament is too big is bigger than that actual facility and ideally that would be an, a bigger upgrade facility wise we don't have that in Clearwater, but i was impressed for a ton of oklahoma state fans made the trip or i mean i was blown away by i don't know how it came off on the broadcast but there were a lot of cowgirl fans uh tremendously that, that stood out a lot of texas fans i mean all these fans from different teams came out in droves, but certainly Oklahoma State, Texas, I thought was among the best in that tournament, as well as Florida State, UCF, of course, UCLA, usually LSU. But Oak State, man, they, they were everywhere, and why not? They're spending a good time in Florida as we speak. Fans have bought in, and I think the fact that Oklahoma State has been there for every year that this event has been held, and, I mean, they've been at this event before. It was called the Clearwater Invitational. It was still the Michelle Smith um invitation or whatever it was called like they've Gajewski has brought them to this tournament whatever its name was every year since he's been in charge there so I think like the consistency of going there every every year knowing they're going to be there knowing that Oklahoma State's this is a big deal I, I think OSU, OSU Oklahoma State Oklahoma State fans are invested in Oklahoma State softball and they're invested in in going to this event so that's a big deal I'm glad you go to Oklahoma State because that does lead us to a perfect transition to because of the rain out because the rain wouldn't go away it did lead to something that was really cool that happened on Monday night um Oklahoma State went to Florida Monday night beat Florida 3-0 and here's what's wild about this story Oklahoma State and Florida both getting games that were rained out this weekend losing games Oklahoma State head coach Kenny Gaski texted his friend and former boss Tim Walton, who's the head coach at Florida, 2.38 on Sunday afternoon. Part of the text, of course, reading, wanted to see if you would have any interest in playing tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, being Monday. According to Tim Walton, he tweeted this out, by 3.40, so just an hour and two minutes, they had three umpires ready. By 5.40, the game was set. And by 9.30 a.m. on Monday, they had the top 25 matchup set to appear on SEC+. So 27 hours and 24 minutes after Coach Gajewski texted Coach Walton, Oklahoma State and Florida took the field for an absolute gem of a pitcher's duel. Um, I want to shout out Lexi Kilfoyle. Because I texted with you guys, and I, I I've kind of hinted at it on Twitter, but I didn't want to. I don't. I don't like going on Twitter and calling out players. I don't like doing it. I don't. It's not the kind of person I am. But she struggled some in Clearwater, and look, she got put in a bad situation against Georgia, gave up the the game tying, and then eventually game winning runs. Put in a bad situation with the rain coming in in the seventh inning against LSU to lose that game where they had a a six to five lead going into the final inning. She came in and put. I mean, just the absolute performance you expected by Oklahoma State fans, of Lexi Kill for Oklahoma State. Three hit, no runs giving up. Oklahoma State, I mean, to go after losing the games they lost, to go straight to Florida, because they're there all week. They're staying in Florida. They're playing Stetson on Thursday or a Wednesday before they go to USF's tournament this weekend. So they're staying in Florida this week. To go to Gainesville last second, get that game at Florida, and to get that 3-0 win, I was – for OSU and for OSU fans and for the Big 12, that was a huge to get that game, huge to get that win. And I mean, from Kilfoyle, I think that's one of the best performances I've ever seen from her on the mound. Might be her best one. And there's a great story there with Lexi in that when she came in high school, she was doing her recruiting visits to Florida. She told me when I talked to her on the podcast, you know who was the person at Florida that gave her the tour of Florida? was Kenny Gajewski when he was the assistant at Florida. And she remembered that when she entered the transfer portal and thought about Kenny 
from that standpoint. So there's a full circle moment for her. This is her homecoming. You know, she's from the state of Florida. Her family's coming, making all these trips. Uh, so you wonder if maybe she put a little extra pressure on herself in Clearwater. Not to mention the circumstances around it was not favorable. Uh, you know, she's asking the big, they're asking a big role of her to close some games out. You know, uh, it's very young in the season. So that was a dominant performance against Florida. And that might be the performance that we look back and say, this is the where she takes off the rest of the year. Um, you know, I spoke to Kenny Gajewski, who let's hope he makes it throughout the whole week at Florida. He is uh, expecting to be a father here very uh, shortly. Uh, so uh, he might be due to uh, make a trip. We'll see if, he, if the kid can stay a little longer. Uh, but nonetheless, I think he really likes this group a lot. And if you watch him play, you know, they made some young mistakes, I think, in some of the losses you described. But overall, I think they're ahead of schedule playing the way they are young. I think they're only going to get better as the year goes on. Godwin hit the home run off Rothrock. She's a top 10 player recruit. Um, I think people now realize, you know, Kenny got this rap about, oh, he's just a transfer guy. You know, he's just going to bring transfer guys. We're seeing that he can recruit high school players as well. He's got some talented youngsters on that roster. And I th- I actually think if you're Oklahoma State, I'm encouraged despite some of the results. I, I think they're ahead of schedule and only uh, – they they might – I think they're ahead of schedule where I thought they would be at this point. I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about this because Lexi Kilfoyle, she could have easily dug herself into a hole. I mean, those games are tough – when you're a pitcher, you automatically feel like the whole game's on your back. And so losing those close games, she was probably feeling it. And for her to come out, hit, throw a three hit game, pretty incredible. And also guys, Oklahoma state fans are insane. I'm not surprised at all to hear you, Eric, say that they came out to Florida Clearwater Invitational because they are crazy. Every time we played there, I'm not kidding you. They're chirping in the back of your head. They're looking up all of your stats, all of your information. They are crazy, but I live for that. I love it. I think Oklahoma State fans are some of the best. So glad we're glad we're clearing this all up, talking about it. It's more fun when they do it to others than to you, right, Leah? Honestly, I kind of loved it. I mean, I had, I had some of my best friends come in for the outfield and they're like, man, how did they know I was dating so-and-so or how did they know about my grandma or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, I want to feel that last year went back there and they're talking to me about West Virginia baseball. They were giving me score updates. I was like, it was so hard for me to not turn around and talk to them and like laugh. But yeah, I bet it could get into some people's head, but I thought it was hilarious. She's right. I sat right in the middle of a lot of Oklahoma state fans. I was there for the Wisconsin game on uh, one of the games and they they know everything they knew they knew my voice they recognized my voice like hey i know you're you know we enjoy your podcast there they brought up this podcast they told me hey make sure phillips calms down it's gonna be <laughs> like like whoa hey like so they they listen to everything man i'm just saying they're they're into it it's great oh shoe fans trust me i'm an OSU fan i love it um okay <laughs> good to know all right uh so uh moving forward uh, let's talk about last week. Pick, we got to we pick a team of the week. Everyone can bring their candidate to the table. We'll decide whoever the, the, our team of the week here is on the show, but we want this opportunity to also shout out some teams who had some incredible weeks. Eric, I, I'm going to let you go first here. Who is the team that impressed you the most in the big 12 this past weekend? I know it's a broken record, but I got to go Texas, seeing them live, beating Tennessee and winning in different ways, you know, beating Tennessee with pitching, beating Stanford with offense, Man, they just got it clicking everywhere right now. 
Uh, they are as dynamic. They are clearly the second best team. And I've said this now. They have made up ground on Oklahoma. Now, we're going to find out when those two teams play how much ground. But you can make an argument, all right? We understand. I understand why Oklahoma is ranked number one. They should be ranked number one. They're the champions and all that. I get that. You cannot tell me there is a team in the country that has a better resume in the first two weeks than Texas. What they've done. Not only who they've beaten, but how they've beaten these teams. It's been impressive. Uh, and they've, ch- you know, Mike White's going to keep challenging themselves with this weekend with this major tournament. But just seeing them live, uh, wow. The, you could see the impact of Mike White and his staff and the recruiting now starting to kick in. Remember, these are freshmen, sophomores, are really their best players right now. I mean, this is a team that's intact for the next few years, and I think they're going to be a legitimate national title contender, not just in the next few years, but I think they're a national title contender this year. I think that's a great uh, candidate to, to submit here. Leah, who do, you, who do you have? Well, I have to go with my Cyclones. I know we talked about how they need to, needed to go 5-0, and and they didn't. They went 4-1. and But from you know a recent grad, a player, they were down – what four of their games uh over the weekend and they came back and won and I mean like they were down we had we were down to the lat we as if I'm still on the team that's what it, that's what it feels like <laughs> they were down to the last strike the last out and Alicia Ranches hit a home run went into extras won their game I don't know I'm just look like last year this would have never happened they would have gotten down lost every single one of those games and just to see them be able to fight again these are teams they should have won they should have beat by a lot but a win is a win it's a tick in the win column that's all they need whether it's pretty ugly I don't really care I'm just really proud of them I think it's a confidence booster I think we'll see a lot more you know elevation increase in their play in these next couple of weeks I'm just stoked I think I think it was a solid outing for them in in confidence boosting wise. So take it I as think, you will. Yeah. No, I think I would say it's a great candidate. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch two more. Um, we don't talk about Oklahoma much and it's not because we don't like Oklahoma. It's because when you're on a 60 plus win streak and you go to a weekend where you don't face a ranked team, like I, I, it's, it's hard to find things to talk about for Oklahoma, but they remain undefeated. I want, I'm going to share some stats of Oklahoma through the first nine games of this season through versus the first nine games of last season to kind of show some comparison. 9-0 and this season versus 8-1 and last year. Obviously, they lost to Baylor last year, the only loss of the season. Six shutouts this year versus six shutouts last year. 14 home runs this year versus 10 home runs last year. 67 runs scored versus 73 runs scored. So a slight, slight dip there. Seven runs allowed this year. Nine runs allowed last year. And then... They've won four by run rule this year, five by run rule last year. So the point here is that they, they, Oklahoma hasn't lost the pace. Like they're, they are just as good so far, it seems, this year versus the last year. Again, they've only placed they're two and overs top 25 teams. They haven't had a lot of games against teams that you would think would really challenge Oklahoma. They will talk about this weekend coming up, but they've got another opportunity this weekend. But like, it's not like Oklahoma's fallen off. So we gotta we gotta give OU a shout out. The other team I want to shout out here, I'm gonna pitch one more, and that's Houston. They went six and zero on the weekend. We said last week, it is impressive when you go five and zero. I don't care who you play. And look, we can quibble over who Houston beat if anybody wants to, that's fine. 
I, they didn't beat anybody I think will fall better than a quad four victory this weekend. Based off of finishing RPI last year, they're all six were quad four wins. They're, they're not going to mean much on the resume outside of you went six and oh. But last year's team doesn't win all six. To Leah's point about Iowa State, I don't think they go six and oh last year. They went six and oh this year. So far in the season, 10 and one record. Five run rule wins, 94 runs scored, and this is the best 11 game start since the 2008 season when they went 11 and 0. So I want to shout out Houston and Coach Kristen Vaselli. Like uh, again, the competition hasn't been incredible, but this is the kind of start you would like to have. They've got a big weekend upcoming. All of that said, it's hard not to say Texas when you beat both Tennessee and Stanford and what was an abbreviated weekend because of the weather. But when you knock off Tennessee and Stanford, who at the time were like number two and number four in the country, I, I don't know how you don't pick Texas again for team of the week. I would have to agree. I just love adding a couple other teams because it seems like we're going to be saying Texas and Texas players for player of the week, week after week, if they continue on this route. So Lots of teams deserve an opportunity for praise. We're going to praise as many as we can. But I think we, Eric, you agree? Obviously, Eric pitched Texas. So I think we all agree Texas is the team of the week. All right. Uh, player of the week. Leah, I'll let you go first here. Who is your candidate for player of the week in the Big 12? I'm just going to stick with some Iowa State love this <laughs> this episode. I'm going to have to go with my dear friend, Angelina Allen, Mo Money. She, she killed it. I mean, I'm just going to read some stats off. 11 for 19. <laughs> Uh, batting average 579, four doubles, three home runs, 10 RBIs. She didn't end the park home run first since 2017 for Iowa State. I think that's, I love it. I, that's amazing. Uh, she's just killing it. She's such a strong leader. I mean, you guys, everyone loves Mo when they run into her. She's the sweetest person, most hardworking person. So deserving. She was Cyclone Club Athlete of the Week. I know it's not Big 12, but still a huge accomplishment. So credits to her, love her, miss her, proud of her. <laughs> love that entry. Love it. I had her on my list as well. So we are in agreement on, on Angelina Allen. Eric, who is your candidate for player of the week? I'm going to go a little different because this is not a Texas podcast. You can certainly pick a Texas or Oklahoma player. But I'm going to go Jada Cody, UCF. Four for five. In the win over Clemson, setting the tone on a historic night for UCF. It scored 21 runs on Wisconsin in six innings. To put that in perspective, the last time UCF scored 20 runs on someone was 2003. Softball was not on my radar at that point. I did not. I was not covering softball back then. The Knights scored a school record 25 hits. She hit a solo homer to lead off the game to move herself into second place all time in home runs at UCF behind only Stephanie Best. She led that incredible offensive performance in a win over Wisconsin. The Knights outscored the Badgers 13 to 1 the last three innings in that game. Uh, pretty good win there by and, and the tone was set by Jada Cody. I, I watched that game. It was absolutely an incredible game. Um I'm trying to remember who had the it was not a bat flip. It was a bat toss. I would have liked to flip. I enjoy a good. That was bat Shannon flip. Doherty. That was Shannon Doherty, who yes, crushed the ball uh, in the missile there. I mean, I, I, they just kept putting the point, the runs on at the look as a, as an OSU fan and a Sam Shaw fan. I'm all I am. I love a good bat flip, and I would be happy if more softball players felt the need to do so after a, a bomb of a home run like Doherty hit. So I completely understand that one. 
Well, and there was some trash talking from both teams during that game. And let's just say that was UCF made sure to put an exclamation point on that. Leah can relate as being a player on the field and somebody starts talking about your, you know, going back and forth. It gets a little intense and uh, UCF had the last word on that one. I love a good chirpy game, so. <laughs> I don't envision you as a chippy, uh, you know, chat. Are chatter. you kidding, Eric? Trash I talker? I the chirpiest of the chirpers. I think the Big 12 coaches knew who I, at least Glenn Moore did, Coach Glenn. I would do my research. <laughs> I told Coach Glenn that I'd see him at Thanksgiving dinner one time because he had like a son that was around our age on the football team or something. I did my research. I was chirping. You know, I was kind of safe sometimes on the bench. So it was like, you know, I couldn't go out there and strike out. I was safe. So I had to let the other players kind of back me up. Wait, so what? did you have like some liners? What did you say? Oh well, I would do my I do my research, figure figure some stuff out. I don't know. Research? Just, You're yeah. doing research? Yes, <laughs> Eric. This is like what I was known for in college, not my stats, my chirping. <laughs> so you're like the trash talker. You're on the all trash talking team. Yes, one thousand one thousand percent. Okay, I've now thought of two things we're gonna do moving forward. We're gonna have. Leah's uh, chirp of the week in which you have to pick oh a player my and you have to chirp at them here on the podcast and we'll make sure to tag them. I don't and think two, I could do that. At the end of the season, I need your trash talk team of the of the season. Oh, yeah. I love oh. that. Your big okay. twelve, your big twelve trash talkers. I, I want a list. Ooh. I want to list off the air of some of your best one liners you've used and who you've talked to. I mean, I don't like, know. My my all time favorite team to chirp was Baylor because coach Glenn Moore was a good sport. Like he would always come back, talk to us, chat with us. Coach Kenny guy was fun until his team wasn't doing, it wasn't doing too great. And then it got kind of chirpy. And then Texas was the best because it got right. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning something new about you every week. This is great. Yeah, this is, I know. I, I, know. <laughs> I thought you were Le- unbelievable. Leah has just, has just offered to do the uh, Glenn Moore interview on the podcast. Oh, 1,000 percent. I would. I would. I miss that right. guy. We're, we're, that email is going to go out. We're getting that uh, scheduled very soon. Um, to wrap up Player of the Week, um, look, she was a Big 12 Player of the Week, so we have to shout out here. That is Texas freshman Caden Henry. She went three for three against Tennessee, uh, scored the decisive run in the 2-1 win. Uh, put a had her first multi home run game, hitting two home runs against Stanford. Four RBI in the nine two win there. Uh, she led the Big Twelve in batting average at point eight three three percent on base percentage at point point eight three three percent and slugging percentage at one point eight three three for the week. Uh, ranked top five nationally in all three. Uh, again, Texas is going to be a team of the week. They're going to have a player of the week on a regular basis, the way they're hitting, the way they're pitching, the way they're playing. Like it's going to be hard for us not to see them there. I love the Angelina uh, Allen shout out. Look, two of us have Alan, Angelina Allen on our, on our list and I don't need to just do what the big 12 does. So in my book, I'm uh, two, two of us here. I'm going to call Angelina Allen, our player. Of the week. I'm, Eric, do you, does, I'm fine with it. I mean, I just want to throw more names into the pot. Yeah, here, right, Jay, that's Co, but I'm, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly good with that. What she's done. That's uh, tremendous. 
I don't care if our list is ten people long here. We're gonna shout out who need who deserves to be shout out. We're 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 not limited here. I'm more fascinated now by Leah Nelson, the trash talker. I never I, I just I thought like, wow, this is a sweet girl, it's nose her softball. There's this dark side here, this trash talker. I, I I don't it's just like so easy to get kind of sucked up into it and like my I don't know. It's like and again, we're talking, we're playing. Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, like it's easy because they're just so good that we always played our best softball against. Well, I shouldn't say always, but a lot of the times we played our best softball against them. It was fun to add a little, like, I don't know, spice to it. How did Coach Pink feel about it? Was he, um, he was on board with this? Yeah, he was on board. He usually would just turn as long as we were respectful and didn't cross the line, but he would just kind of turn his head and just, or shake his head and just be like, what are you saying? But so, so just be clear, did you ever reach out to Glenmore's son on the football no, team? No, I did just... not. <laughs> it was strictly research. All right. Uh, that email's going out this week. We're getting that scheduled. Um, okay. We have a full slate of games this coming weekend. A lot. Hopefully none that will get canceled, but a lot to keep an eye on. As I mentioned, Oklahoma is going to have their next ranked opponent. They got Mississippi State on Friday. Uh, Baylor in Oklahoma and are all out at Mary Nutter, as is BYU. Um, Leah, let's let you go first here. We got a full slate, but I'm curious. What is the one game this weekend you've got your eye on? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Houston versus LSU. I mean, you just talked about how Houston's coming out. Um, I mean, they're 10-1 on the season, but like you said, the teams they're playing aren't these top 25 teams, and this is probably their first matchup that's going to be a really te- a big test to see how they're playing. But if they're, you know – Playing as like they are now, I think I think they might put put up a good fight. So I'm excited just to see how they're gonna do against LSU. Eric, what's your pick? Well, I agree with Aaliyah's good. That's a good pick. I think you know we're gonna learn a lot about Houston in that this weekend. Now, I mean, this is a test weekend for them, so we'll learn how much progress they've made. I'm gonna go UCF, Mary Nutter, but I'll pick one game because of a good storyline. They're gonna play Oregon in this tournament, even though that's not the marquee game. They got Tennessee, Missouri, Mississippi State, Oregon. They're all ranked. This is a big week about for UCF. We're gonna learn a lot about the Knights and where they're in the Big 12 mix. But I'm gonna re- bring up the Oregon game for a reason. UCF has a player named Sierra Humphreys, their freshman, who's probably gonna be the future of that program. Her older sister, KK Humphreys, plays at Oregon. That's how this matchup got made, set up at Mary Nutter was because of the sisters playing on the field for the first time head-to-head. It's a big game for both sides. The Ducks are coming off a rough weekend out west. There's high expectations in Eugene and high expectations in Orlando for UCF. The UCF lost three games in Clearwater. This is a big resume week for the Knights in out west. Uh, you could take your pick on those games. I'm going to go with Oregon because of the family affair, but they got Tennessee, Missouri, Mississippi State highlighting that slate. That is a no team in the country, I don't think, has as tough of a schedule this week as UCF does out west. Yeah. It's almost like because of the games they had canceled, it just, it puts that much more on this weekend for UCF, and it is an absolute – I don't think anybody – and Mary Nutter's got a bunch of teams, and you know the schedules are very – like BYU schedule at, at Mary Nutter – doesn't look anything like OU's or UCS does, but it is absolutely loaded. Uh, I'll shout out a couple. Baylor's got Oregon as well. They're out at Mary Nutter. They've also going to play Notre Dame. Those are both on Thursday. They've got UCLA and Missouri on Saturday, both of those in the evening. They've got two two straight night games, Thursday and, fr- and Saturday, that are going to be tough for them. Um, 
I want to shout out some honorable mention games. We talked about Houston. They've got two games against LSU. That is going to be huge for them. They've also got a game on Saturday against Boise State, who I think has had a pretty impressive start from the non-Power 5 realm. Like, I think the Mountain West has had an interesting start to the season, but Boise State's had a nice start. This is one of those, like, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I would not pick Houston to beat LSU in either game. I think LSU is really good. I want to see how Houston performs in those games because that's going to tell us a lot. And if they get a win... I will I, I will email Christopher Selle and immediately apologize for saying that they weren't going to win one. I, I will I will do that. I'll send her flowers. I'm not kidding because the RPI win for the Big 12 for her to be LSU would be incredible. I will do it. Seriously, if, if, if Houston meets LSU, I will get the address to send to the office and I'll send Christopher Selle flowers myself. I, I have no problem doing that. But I really think this Boise State game is a big opportunity for them for get, to get a win that will help them from an RPI standpoint and help their resume. Because I feel like the Big 12 right now, outside of OU, Texas, and Oklahoma State, the resume from a conference standpoint is okay. It, it, we we need to get a few more wins that the other teams can hang their hat on to help out from an RPI standpoint. So I look at the kind of the honorable mention games. Iowa State's got a game against Delaware. They got two games against Delaware on Friday, Saturday. Who was the uh, the favorite to win the conference that they're in? That is Colonial. Colonial. Thank you. Um, so I think those are a couple of interesting games for Iowa State. As I mentioned, Houston, Boise State, Texas Tech's got North Texas on Saturday. North Texas is typically a really good team in the Sun Belt. Ronnie Dolan. They're in the American now. They're in the American. Now. Man, I, oh. Welcome to realignment 2024. <laughs> it's hard enough to keep track of realignment in the Big 12. I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> uh, I don't think they were in the Sun Belt. doesn't matter. Um, but I will say that of, of the games that I'm just like, I've got this circle that I want to keep it on it. Baylor, obviously 0-2 to start the season against Tennessee. They went 3-1 last week, winning the series at Louisiana 2-1, getting the win over McNeese. They've got a bunch of really good games this weekend. As I mentioned, Oregon, Notre Dame, UCLA, Missouri. I'm really intrigued by the Baylor-Missouri game. It's a 10 p.m. Central Time start on Saturday. Missouri has been at an incredible start to the season. The SEC has had an incredible start to the season, period. Like we just, they have, like, this is one of those years where thus far through two weeks, they're backing up the SEC reputation. Baylor's got plenty of good opportunities, but the game against Missouri is one I look at and go, I want to see them here. I want to see how Baylor looks because I think Baylor can win some of these games. I think Baylor is good enough to, I want to see how they look against Missouri on Saturday night towards the end of this tournament. They've had an open against UCLA before this game. I think this is a big one for them. After playing UCLA, turning around later that evening and playing Missouri, I got my eyes on that one. I I have definitely have my eyes on that one. I'll be following that closely. UCLA, that's the resume, right? That's where you build your resumes. If you're Baylor, if you want to be in the mix to host, what an opportunity against the UCLA team that's very young and and really not deep pitching wise. Missouri's played a high level. They got two good aces there with Larissa Anderson and company, but it's at Mary Nutter, out west. Wacky games tend to happen when at that at that late hour too. I don't know, Leah. Have you ever played at Nutter uh, before? Yeah, we played, and let me tell you, it's just it's just different out there. And yeah, there's some late games. People come out. It's crazy. It's a different atmosphere. I mean, I'm really fortunate. I was able to experience it, like you said, though. Uh, it gets crazy. It's going to be big. So I, it's going to be big for Baylor. Baylor, UCF, both in that tournament. Uh, could really make a help a big footprint for the Big 12 and make some ground on the SEC from that standpoint, especially that Missouri game. That's a good catch by you. Missouri-Baylor head-to-head. That's a monster game. 
late night. Get some, get some caffeine. I mean, I'm usually awake. I don't want to admit that. I, I tend to stay up too late oftentimes. All right, let's end this on this one. Um, Oklahoma is number one across the board consensus. We can argue about resumes, but last year when they tried to put UCLA over OU, talked about resumes, OU played UCLA and just smoked the ever-living uh, snot out of them. So we're not going to do that. You don't need to give OU any sort of bulletin board material. Not that they need it, but don't give it to them. So Oklahoma's number one consensus, 60-plus game winning streak. It's fine. There's the argument then comes to Texas versus Georgia, who have both been absolutely incredible to start this season. I'm going to ask you both. Number two right now, who is the second best? And who should be number two in the ranking? Should it be Georgia or should it be Texas, Eric? Texas. They have the better resume, better body of work, better pitching right now than Georgia. I saw both of them in Clearwater. I do think those are the second and third best teams in the country right now. I think they got you got that part right. And I think Texas, like I said, if, if, if Oklahoma was not the three-time defending national champions, you could make a case for Texas being number one. They're not. It is fine. But the, with the resume and the way they've played on both sides of the ball, Texas, to me, is clearly should be number two. Yeah. Ditto. Literally, like, to me, Georgia wasn't even in my mind as second. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're an unreal team. They're great. They deserve to be up there. But I was just always thinking Texas, Texas, Texas. And so that Georgia's even in that conversation, just like Eric said, Texas has a way better resume, better pitching. I, I just think they're number two in a story, but then I could say Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, and then there's a little bit of gap with everyone else. It just seems like they're playing some unreal softball right now. I can't wait based off resumes when RPI finally drops and Texas is above Oklahoma because it doesn't care about previous national championships and Oklahoma fans are going to lose their mind. Like, Oh, you like the RPI is some sort of like human selected thing. They're going to lose it. And it's going to be hilarious drama for a whole week. And I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, you know, it's coming. It's coming. And uh, listen, I picked Georgia to get play for the national title before the season. So I, I like Georgia a lot too, but Got to tip your cap to Texas, what they're doing uh, in their schedule. And it's not going to get easier. We haven't even brought up the fact they got Stanford and Baylor coming up this week. I mean, not Baylor. They got Stanford and Louisiana this weekend at home. They're not like they're not slowing down on the resume. There. I mean, we've seen the beat Stanford. One. I, like, I was ready to pick that one. We've seen the beat Stanford. It'll be interesting to see them play again. And I think Louisiana is a solid team. So, Great weekend for, for Texas. It's a great weekend of softball all around. Make sure you got your ESPN Plus. You can get Flow Softball. I, it's, it's the only way to watch Mary Nutter. It's the only reason I ever subscribed to Flow Softball for one month a year so I can watch the early season stuff. Because otherwise, how else am I going to watch BYU? Like, I got to watch a little BYU. So this is this is the, the time to have it and the reason to have it. So uh, we have Coach Gordon Eakin, BYU, coming up in just a minute. Do yourself a favor. Uh, follow Leah across all of the social media platforms, specifically uh, TikTok. That's where she says that uh, she spends most of her time. Leah, plug all the handles. Yeah, Leah CJ 21 on Twitter and Leah CJ 12 on TikTok. It could be reverse. Just type it in. Not one of those will work. <laughs> you'll you'll find her. You'll all you'll, cyclone ears. Yeah, you'll, you'll find her. You'll find me. <laughs> Uh, Eric, you do so much, so plug it all, man. Baby, Eric Lopez-Elo is the best way to keep keep up with what I'm doing. I'll be following Mary Nutter very closely, uh, especially that Saturday slate that uh, you've referenced with Baylor, UCLA, 
Uh, Baylor, UCLA, Baylor playing as well, Missouri. So that's a big night there. But also in the Circle podcast, we'll be uh, breaking down Mary Nutter, recapping it as well as previewing it. So uh, looking forward to it uh, and other platforms. But Eric Lopez, easiest to keep track of what I'm doing because every week it's different. You can follow us at 1012 Network on Twitter, 1012 Pod on Instagram and Threads. Uh, if you haven't yet, go check out Monday's episode. Gabby Gregory interview is is absolutely fantastic. The Gap Goat is great, and you can find out why she's Cyclone Larry's Valentine, which is the weirdest sentence I think I've ever uttered in my entire life. Um, and, of course, we cannot get to Coach Eakin before we say shout out. Charlie Hustle, sponsors here on the 1012 Podcast, the 1012 Network as a whole, partners here with us. We absolutely love everything that they have produced. They got sales going all over the place. Okay, They had their sales for the weekend. They always do some sort of t-shirt Tuesday deal on Tuesdays. Now, obviously, it's past Tuesday, but I just want you to remember that and think about that for the next Tuesday that comes up. And you can always use the promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, for 15% off all non-sale items. They've got every Big 12 school currently Minus Cincinnati, y'all keep keep going. Keep tweeting at them. Let us know. Like we put out a poll. I want to know what Cincinnati logo you want to see, Cincinnati fans. I, I don't even know if Cincinnati fans listen to this because it's a softball. They don't have softball. So let's just we'll just set that aside for now. This is the rambling part. We need to get to the interview. 10, 12, 15, T-E-N-1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. They've got absolutely incredible gear. They've got something for you if you just want to wear something to your favorite. Uh, Big 12 school baseball or softball game throughout the season. Basketball still going strong. So go outfit yourself right now. Check them out. More than 30 schools available. CharlieHustle.com. 10, 12, 15. 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle. Vintage made fresh. All right. Coach Gordon Eakin. BYU. Fantastic interview. He's coming up right now. It's been a successful start to the 2024 softball season for the team we're talking about today. That is the BYU Cougars in their first year in the Big 12. Very excited to have joining us for the second year in a row, the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Gordon Eakin. Coach Eakin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm thrilled to have you guys in the Big 12. And so I've got to start off by asking, like, you know, it's been a few years of getting to this point. It's finally your first season in the Big 12. Big 12 play hasn't started yet but how how excited are you guys just to finally be at this place well very excited you uh as a competitor you always want to play against top level competition you know to challenge yourself to test yourself and uh, we've always tried to do that in our non-conference schedule um in the past but it's really nice to to just have a build in your into your conference uh opponents we're we're very excited about it is it nice to know that the conference slate will help the resume more and maybe it takes some pressure off of that non-conference slate? You don't have to schedule quite as hard in non-conference because the Big 12, from an RPI standpoint, can do more for you than the West Coast Conference did? Well, you know, I think that's a two-edged sword. First of all, um, it it builds your RPI. Every team you play in the Big 12 will build your RPI or improve your RPI, but you also have to compete well uh, and, you know, finish with a – 500 or better record doesn't matter what your RPI is if you don't win those games so it's it's kind of a it's kind of bittersweet but it's what we want it's what we're looking forward to and and we're excited to be a part of it uh, yeah if only we could all be the SEC and get teams in with a sub 500 conference record sorry I just 
easy spot for some SEC slander. Uh, okay, so let's let's look at the start of the season. I think you guys have started off really well. You had a five and a weekend to start things off. Then you went out to Arizona this past weekend, took a couple of losses. Um, I think you were very competitive in those situations. We talk about how a lot of coaches almost, I don't want to say that they want their team to lose, but they 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 view losses as this opportunity. Uh, I think Patty Gasod kind of is one of those key cases of like, a loss means that she's got something to really drill her team into and, and hang over their head and kind of use as a motivating factor. How do you view losses for your team and, and, and use those to help coach them up for the rest of the season? Well, first of all, I don't like to lose anytime, anywhere. Uh, you know, you talk about Patty, she's in a whole different um world than than we are in the normal softball world she she can use the one or two or three or whatever losses a year as a much different tool than than we do but losses are you learn more from losses than you do from wins so um we'll definitely use the the lost Arizona State and the lost to Virginia Tech which we've already done as building opportunities but as far as hoping we lose that that's just not part of who I am no no no. I, I obviously I don't I don't think anybody wants to lose there's but there's it's an interesting mindset to have of like we all hate to lose nobody wants to lose you never want to lose a game you'd love to have a perfect season it's just I'm always curious from a coaching standpoint like the mindset of how everyone I think has a different take on how you take that loss and apply it and so it's interesting to learn from coaches like what how do you react and then how do you hope your team reacts to those situations yeah, I mean, look, we'll take both of those losses this weekend for an example. Those are two games we we could have and we feel we should have won. Uh, we let them both. The Virginia Tech game didn't really get away from us. That was a hard-fought two-to-one ball game, but it was a a defensive mistake on our part that opened the door for them to get their two runs. Had we not made that defensive mistake, that would have been a one-nothing ball game. And um but that's the type that you can use to specifically shore up your defense in the area that you made the mistake. And we we've used that already and we've talked about it and we'll do a little bit in practice this weekend in that regard. But the Arizona state game, um, we started out really well. We lost the lead. We came back and tied it. We lost the lead again. We came back again and it just, we didn't have the resiliency to continue to overcome what Arizona State was bringing on their home field. And so that was that's a little bit more difficult to coach, that resiliency, because the ebbs and flows of the game are emotional for every player. And so that was a, that was not a that was more a matter of just taking their best shot and coming back from it. And we we talked about it and hopefully we'll learn from it. But we feel like both of those games are games that we could have and should have won. Yeah, I, I, again, it was obviously disappointing to lose, but I, and I, I take away from both those games if we're looking for a positive from an outside perspective of those are games you could have won, and so it is an opportunity looking forward with more big games on the horizon to learn from and apply those lessons, and when the opportunity arises again to apply those and find opportunities for wins that you weren't able to get this past weekend. But again, I still think this is a, and I think you would probably agree, a successful start to the season so far for BYU. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And one, one thing we did talk about with Arizona State, the way the game flip-flopped back and forth um, and was a kind of an emotional roller coaster is that's what we expect in the Big 12. We're going to have to, you know, take their best shot and come back from it and take another shot and come back from it. So it was was probably, a, a even though we don't like to lose, it was probably a good learning opportunity for 
what goes on in in the Big 12. Yep. Uh, I, I want to talk about the offense for a second. Um, I think it's been great. And you've been getting, I mean, hits and runs from ev- all across the lineup. Matty Bejarano leads the team with a 500 batting average and has a 0. 0.6, uh, 0.611 on base percentage. But <laughs> Zavodnik's the top in OPS and leads the team with three home runs and slugging percentage. Uh, Ayolana uh, Ogbayani leads the team with 12 runs scored and has yet to be struck out, knock on wood. Sorry. Uh, and Hunter Ava is a uh, Thompson RPI with 14. I mean, it, it feels like the offense is coming from so many different places, game, game by game. How good do you feel like this team is offensively? Uh, we we could be very, very good offensively. I I told the team the other day that if we ever – you know, all get clicking at the same time. We're going to, no one's going to be able to stop us from scoring. And right now we have typically five or six players per game that are producing. And we have a couple players that I expect to produce have just had a slow start. So um, I'm very encouraged about our offense. And and I think as, as a couple of them get going and the others stay consistent, I think we'll be uh, formidable offensively as we go forward. It definitely feels like you're going to have a game at some point this season where everybody is just on, and it's it's going to be kind of fun to watch from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, and we've had some some uh, spurts in games that it's been like that. So we're just looking to put together a little run of a complete game or two or three in a row where, where everybody's clicking and just to kind of see what it could be like when that happens. Uh, it could be exciting. Your pitching staff has had a solid start to the season, led by Chloe Temples, uh, leads the team with a 2.15 ERA in 29.1 innings and uh, 32 strikeouts, which is very impressive. This is still a fairly young pitching staff for you, though. Um, how do you feel like they've looked to start the year? Actually, um, I don't know if surprisingly well is the right word for it, but um, I, I guess... I'm I'm encouraged by how well they've started for as young as they are. Uh, Kate Daly, she has she has really done a great job and been solid for us. And Gianna Gianna Mattis, she has um, had a great game, and then a couple of games where she was definitely a freshman learning and learning the learning curve in Division One, but showed some great upside. Chloe has pitched extremely well for us. Uh, Kaysen is, um, she's had some nagging aches and pains and injuries has kind of kept her from, we're not throwing her a whole bunch right now, trying to get her completely healthy. And we're hoping this week or next week, she'll be back and those nagging aches and pains will be gone. But I'm, I'm very encouraged by um, the way the youth of our pitching staff has, developed quickly and then chloe has done an incredible job gone it feels like are the days where you can have one absolute star who pitches just about every inning for your team and then some people to fill in like it looks like anymore like you need two three players i mean you watch oklahoma state and they're doing almost like a baseball lineup or you've got someone for the beginning and someone for the middle and you want to have a closer how important is depth in pitching for you guys and how close do you feel like you are to to really having that locked down yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. The days of having that um, number one kid just throw all the innings for you or maybe a number one and a number two throw all the, the innings for you are really dwindling because of the the efficiency of offenses uh, uh, and the um, 
you know, you can go in and you can scout people a lot more thoroughly now than you could before. But so the, I mean, you'll still have a few of those pitchers in the NCAA that can just carry a team. But I would say the majority of the teams are more of a baseball model now than ever before, where you have a starter, a, you know, a middle and a, and a closer. I mean, that's very common in this game now. That's the model that we use. We we go with analytics and and we scout teams and matchups and we have a plan prior to to going into the game and that's rarely a plan of just throwing pitcher number 1 for 7 innings. Do you feel like you are able to with your staff switch players around? So if if we need so and so here for closing when they can be in the middle uh middle reliever for this game. Do you feel like you've got the the flexibility to move them around as to where they show up in the game or do you feel like you're getting more of a set lineup kind of kind of prepared through the non-conference? Well, you know, with with your um stacking of pitchers, you have a you have what you think's going to work and what strategy you're going to use, but then the flow of every game changes that. It's a it's an ever evolving system. And so against Cal state Fullerton on um, Saturday, we didn't end or Chloe wasn't supposed to pitch as many innings as she pitched, but she was doing so well. And with Kaysen's nagging, you know, injuries and pains, we just didn't want to throw Kaysen too much. So we let Chloe go a little bit longer. And then we came with Kaysen and, we probably would have just closed with Kaysen, but again, she was just having that nagging injury problem. And Kate wasn't even in the in the plan to close with, but it just was a gut feel. And Kate had thrown well the last two tournaments, and we put Kate in, and Kate closed Fullerton down. She just did an incredible job. So it's you have a strategy, you have a plan, and then that plan evolves based on the way the weekend goes. All right, so looking at the Big 12 schedule, which is still a few weeks away, I feel like, I don't want to say the Big 12 did you dirty, but having to go to OU and Texas in the one season you're in the conference with them just feels a little unfair. You should have gotten at least one of them at home. Well, I think you can say the Big 12 did us dirty. I think that, I think you could say it, and I think I will say it. And, <laughs> you know, we go to Oklahoma, Texas, uh, we go to UCF. I mean, it's a, pretty Kansas. Uh, those are our four road series. It's a pretty daunting um, schedule on the road, especially with the quality of the teams. But then I look at it and I think, well, look, you know, we get these other teams at home and and that gives us a great opportunity with five home games against very good teams to perform well at home. So on one hand, I would have liked to have uh, one of those three at home looking looking at the schedule but it you they're tough no matter where you play them at home or on the road they're tough yeah absolutely uh, obviously i I'm, I'm curious since we last talked we now know that uh utah arizona and arizona state will be joining the big 12 next season after oklahoma and texas leave for the sec how do you guys feel about utah joining the big 12 are you excited for this to to be a a conference rivalry that you can have on a hopefully and i would assume year in and year out basis well it'll be much easier to schedule them where um right now we've had to try to find a midweek for both of us that works and that's been extremely difficult to plan that in your schedule you think it would be easy but it's not so we we don't have to worry about getting that rivalry game in anymore and now it'll be three rivalry games. So, you know, to me, I, 
I look at the Utah series. A lot of people look at that as just uh, the most important game of the year. I look at it as another another important game and try not to put any more um, value on playing Utah than playing Oklahoma State. I think you get caught up doing that, then you either psych yourself out or you have a letdown after or a letdown before. So I try to approach it and have the team approach it as another great series, another great game. And, but it is nice to be able to travel 45 minutes up the road and play a series rather than clear across the country and play one. Yeah. I mean, look, having three other schools closer in proximity, it's not going to hurt with Arizona and Arizona state as well. Obviously don't know what the scheduling uh, plan will be once we, once we get the, uh, the new 12 team, no 11 team conference. Sorry. Uh, the various different numbers of teams across different sports, it's kind of hard to keep track of sometimes. We had seven, now we have 10, then we're going to have 11. It's, it, I'm, I'm doing my best. Um, obviously, this is you guys' first time in Big 12. It's BYU's first time in the Big 12, but you have football who's already taken part, soccer, men's and women's basketball's in the heat of it. Have you talked with any of the other BYU coaches who've already kind of started going through the Big 12 schedule about what that has been like for them? Excuse me. Well, we have um, not not individually to them because obviously they're very busy, but um, we have coaches meetings every month and we talk a lot about that with those various sports in those coaches meetings about what they've learned and about best practice techniques. And, you know, we have talks about recruiting all the time. So there is a lot of sharing within sports that go on, but it's more through coaches meetings than me individually talking to each coach. Okay. Speaking of, you know, I feel like a lot of the BYU programs so far have exceeded expectations. Soccer was preseason number one. You can't really exceed number one. But a lot of the programs so far have been exceeding expectations from preseason. You guys are picked seventh in the Big 12 preseason softball poll. Do you think that BYU softball is going to exceed expectations like some of the other BYU programs? Do you guys feel like you're being doubted as a newcomer that people just aren't as familiar with? No, I, I don't really feel that way. I don't feel one way or the other with that because there are so many high quality programs in the Big 12. You know, I'm not insulted to be picked seventh, but um, I know that most of those programs know that we're going to come in and compete with them at at a very high level and each game could go either way. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, we have the talent and the drive to finish better than seventh, but I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in that because you still got to play the games. I mean, I, I'm. I gotta ask. Of the Big Twelve teams, that agree on the schedule, and I know that every game is equal, and we've already talked about. You know, you can't overhype one or the other. Is there a Big Twelve team you guys are, or you personally, are most excited to face off with this year? No, I would say. Um, I mean, I have a lot of close coaching friends in the Big Twelve. And, and we've competed against those teams before. I mean, we just a couple of years ago played a Big 12 three-game series against Baylor and the year before that against Iowa State. And so um, I, I would say it's pretty much all the same to me, no matter who we're competing against. I think um, Oklahoma and Texas right now uh, are proving to be the the big dogs in the conference, for sure. Oklahoma State's... Baylor. I mean, I could go through and name them all, but I think right now Oklahoma and Texas are the teams to beat. And so I think the competitiveness in me wants to go in and 
and do well against those teams. But I'm just as as psyched to go in and play whoever was picked behind us, eight, nine, whatever, as I am to go play those teams. I'll wrap up on this. You guys are headed to the Mary Nutter this weekend. You've got a, a very nice five-game slate with Rutgers, Cal Poly, Long Beach State, UC Riverside, and Bethune-Cookman. How are you guys feeling about this weekend? Uh, we're playing well. We're playing good ball, and so we feel good about it. We're hoping we're hoping to get Kaysen back to full strength. Um, if she's not, we'll limit her time again. But but it's it's just it's nothing serious or structural. It's just a few aches and pains she's got to get through. So we're hoping she's through those this week, and that us limiting her the first two weeks has has helped her, but. If we can get Kaysen back to full strength, we, we're very optimistic about our entire year and the possibilities of it. But Kaysen is a huge part of that. Well, I've got my my one month of flow softball. It's the only time I sign up for flow is the first month of the season so I can watch things like the Mary Nutter. So I look forward to watching your team some this weekend, Coach. And I really appreciate your time with us today. Hey, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Podcast Network.